Aloha, everybody. Welcome to another installment of the Pod Squad. Chad Blair, Honolulu Civil Beat. And today, once again, talking politics, although it's kind of weird because it's not an election year unless you happen to live in Honolulu City Council District 4. And joining me today is one of the two candidates for that special election, which he's going to tell us all about. Tommy Waters. Tommy, welcome to the Pond Squad. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Good. Good to have you here. So we have a special election coming up. Is it April 13th? Is that right? April 13th is when the votes are going to be counted, but you're going to get your ballots in the mail March 22nd. Okay. And of course, your opponent is Trevor Ozawa, who we're also inviting on to the Pond Squad for a separate interview. But basically, they're going to get their absentee ballot, what, three weeks before the actual, roughly even almost four. That's correct. What's your concern? How are you going to get the word out? Well, I've been walking door to door since January 2018. I've knocked on about 15,000 doors now. Mm. Walked all the way from Kalama Valley through Waikiki. And that I'm really about grassroots. I'm about walking door to door, learning what the issues are directly from the voters. And I really, really enjoy it. I don't know if you can tell. If you've ever seen me out there, I'm always smiling and talking, you know, with, with neighbors and constituents as they walk their dogs. And I've learned so much. And, and to me, that's the key. you got to get out there. If you're not out in your district talking to people, you don't know what's going on. You know, as, as a matter of fact, it's a very diverse district. It's basically East Oahu, but it really comes into town. Parts of Kahala as well. All of Kahala. And past Waikiki into Ala Moana. Half of Kaimaki, most of Kapahulu, all of Waikiki. And... Um, all the way to the Eva end of Alamana Beach Park. So when you're out there knocking on doors and shaking hands, what are folks telling you in District 4 about what they're concerned about? The number one concern is homelessness. And I agree. I see homelessness right outside my door. I live in the Kahala Towers, right on Wailai Avenue across from Kahala Mall. There's a woman living at the bus stop. I've spoken to her on many occasions. There's a new guy living right across the street. Um, by Times Supermarket. You got people living under the bridge by Aloha Gas Station. You got people living up in the bushes at the top of Wilhelmina Rise. You got people living in the bushes on Diamond Head Road, both Mauka and Makai. And it's even starting to um, work its way out to Hawaii Kai. And it's, it's, a num- it's our number one issue. So how do you solve it? Well, first of all, you got to work together with the state. I really think if we combine our resources, we could get a lot more done. Um, I think we could look at what other cities have done. Housing First works. It really does. And Housing First, just a a shorthand description of what that is. So it it puts someone who's homeless into an apartment, for example, and then you provide wraparound services. So you provide someone a clean, safe place to live, and then when you got them off the street, you provide services. Because a lot of the homeless are mentally ill or suffering from substance abuse. You know, interestingly, I was walking door-to-door in Kaimuki last week, and I met a gentleman living at the bus stop on Coco Head Avenue, right up the street from Civil Beat. And I asked him, why, why are you here? You know, you need to be in a shelter. And he said, it's not safe in the shelter. I'd rather live on the bus stop. Than in a shelter because he gets beaten up at the shelter. Yeah, and there's also rules and regulations you got to abide by as well. But let me ask you this: you, your district is fairly well to do. Uh, there are pockets of different income levels, but I believe the highest earning people in Hawaii, in on Oahu, are in neighborhoods in District Four, if I have that right. Um, 
I think one of the challenges here is NIMBY, not in my backyard. Would you see a housing first project that could be built, oh, say, across the street from the Kahala Mall or out in Portlock? Although I guess Portlock, is that part of your district as well? Yes, absolutely. So because how would you wrestle with that? You know, there's one thing to say, I'm tired of the homeless. I want to help them. But I don't want to have a center, a project in my own neighborhood. Well, the fact of the matter is there's a Sierra house right on Sierra Drive. It's a home for people suffering from mental illness live there, and they blend in perfectly with the neighborhood. I haven't gotten any complaints from the neighbors about that. Um, fact of the matter is, I don't know if we have room for new development, mm-hmm. building new buildings or new homes. As you know, for example, in Kulio'o, there's a controversial development called Pico Ridge, oh, yeah, yeah. right? So people don't want, want new development. There is no room here. But I certainly am open to the idea of looking for um, places where we could accommodate homeless. What we're, the research that we're finding is the homeless in various neighborhoods want to stay in the same neighborhood that that they live in currently. Um, lucky for us, though, we do have a problem, but it's just not as bad as downtown or other neighborhoods. So we've had uh, the city council, the mayor, tackling this issue for a number of years now, not just at the state level, but the city and county. And there's the sit-lie bans. Uh, in many ways, I think Waikiki is where we first started looking at, at actually restricting uh, access and hours and, and so forth. Uh, does that work? Is sit-lie working? The last I checked, it was looking to expand... Uh, countywide. I'm not quite sure where that stands, but I believe it hasn't yet been expanded beyond these key uh, districts, uh, particularly uh, involving uh, businesses. Well, in Waikiki, I believe it works and it should be enforced uh, even more vigorously. I was walking down Kalakaua Avenue recently and there were people sitting on the sidewalk intoxicated, belligerent. One guy was holding a, a sign saying, Let's be real. I need money for beer. Hmm. You know, and, and our visitors spending a lot of money coming to Waikiki. Don't want to see and, that. You know, that's terrible. That guy's got to go. He cannot just sit there and, and do what he's doing. But I think, because I, I was in the criminal justice system, right? I was a public defender eight, for eight years. And I would see what happens when these guys get picked up for violations. They go to jail overnight, come to court. They would get credit for time served one night, and then they come right back onto the street. So um, I think geographic restrictions would work too, and we have to enforce it though, right? So if you get picked up for violating a vagrancy law or um, intoxication in public law, that if you're cited for this, you cannot come back to Waikiki. You just cannot. But you know, can the, you do that from a civil liberties point of view? Can you restrict someone? From going back, I mean, there was actually a bill proposed at the legislature to say three strikes and you're not going to be able to come back at a Waikiki. Yes, I believe so. As a condition of your probation, you're not allowed to come back there. Mm. Okay. Um, but the that's a short-term fix, right? we got to look at long-term fixes. And really, finding places for people to live is a long-term fix, like Housing First. Right. They, we do have, I believe the city has Hale Mauli Ola Housing Navigation Center on right. San Island. You know, that's a transitional type situation. So certain churches have built little um, um, neighborhoods on their property to allow people to transition from being on the street to actually getting a, a full-time residence. And um, 
we got to look at that. Otherwise, the student line bill is just going to keep moving people from one place to another. To another. And I really believe that's why we have people living in the bushes on Diamond Head Road because they're hiding in the bushes. They can't live on the street anymore. Tommy, give us your webpage so people can go and find more information about your platform and your background. Tommy-waters.com. Okay, I was looking over it earlier. Obviously, affordable housing and homelessness are prominent. Tell us about rail. Your district, unless for some reason they eventually have a spur from Alamoana to Waikiki. Oh, I guess Alamoana is your district. But one of the concerns is, gee, folks in East Oahu, they're paying for a rail system that they're probably not going to benefit from. Uh, where do you stand on rail, and, and what are your constituents telling you about it? You know, I just need to be clear. When I was in the legislature, I voted no to authorize the counties to to charge the general excise tax for a rail. Oh, boy, that you was know? back in, was it Mufi Hanneman? Mufi Hanneman days, 2005. Uh, Linda Lingle was governor, I think. Linda Lingle was governor. But that was the big vote that said, we're going to use the GET. Yes, and I voted no, and I just want to be clear about that so that people in my district know that initially I voted no. However, mm. the train is out of the out of the <laughs> barn, so to speak. Yeah, it's coming. We need to finish what we started. So to Ala Moana, you'd like to see the full twenty miles, perhaps twenty-one stations. Because of the full grant agreement with the federal government that Mayor Carlisle signed, by the way, in 2012. I think we are obligated to do so. It's a contract. We have to do it. And, well, one of the things I'd like to look at, I believe the federal government has given us $803 million so far. If we breach this contract, do we have to pay the $803 million back? Plus, we would lose the other $700 million because it's $1.5 total billion. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, so that's a big issue. You know, one of the things I'm committed to is scrutinizing Hart's budget. I think both the mayor and the city council thus far, including my opponent, have not scrutinized that budget enough. Why is it costing double? Why? You know, and that's what the city council should be doing. So I support a forensic audit. Better yet, I support a forensic investigation. Let's look to see if there's any corruption or fraud. See if someone has been paid off. Why is it costing so much? And I fully welcome the federal government looking into this as well. Okay, last question on rail related to property taxes. The concern is that $9.2 billion from the GET, from the TAT, from the federal government, maybe that's going to get us to Alamoana, maybe not. We'll see. But operations and maintenance, that cost has not been uh, appropriated, if you will. Mind you, the train isn't yet running. But that is a concern. And then the indication from the legislature is, hey, city council, hey, mayor, you guys, are going to have to do something, and property tax is the big revenue picture. Where are you on that one? Well, if I were to vote today, I would not authorize the use of property taxes for rail. But at the same time, we got to look for alternatives. How are we going to pay for it? My concern right now is that the current administration does not have a plan on how we're going to pay for operating and maintenance costs. And you mean the Caldwell administration? Correct. And by the way, the Caldwell administration is just going to be there for two years. That's right. Two more years. And hopefully I'm there for the next 10 years. It's possible, right? Because is that this how is it would work out, actually? It does. I, I think that because this is a vacant uh, seat, right, the timeline starts all over again. Oh, I see. So I, it's possible I could be there for 10 years. So I'd be working with, geez, possibly three different mayors. But my feeling is, really, 
we all got to get to the table, sit down and hash this out and figure this out so that local people like you and I and everyone else in District 4 are not forced to pay more to get this done. Okay, let's talk politics a little bit. The criticism from Trevor, from others, is that you and Kirk Caldwell are buddies, although you just criticized the current administration, maybe for not uh, doing what it should be doing concerning rail. But is there some truth to that, that somehow if you get elected on April the 13th to the council, uh, currently it's held by Mike Formby in an interim basis. He's doing a great job, by the way. Yeah, and uh, the surprise, it was interesting how many people came out for that job, or rather were recommended for that job, Sam Sloan, others as well. Um, is that true that you would automatically align with the mayor regardless of the policy issue? Of course not. That's ridiculous to say that. You know, my duty is to the people who elect me to District 4, and I take it very seriously. You know, I'm sacrificing a lot. Candidates do. We sacrifice a lot. I'm not seeing my family. I'm missing meals, in fact. Um, but I do that because I care about my community. Now, the fact of the matter is the mayor and I were elected together in 2002, and we had, a, we had disagreements then, and we have disagreements now. Um, the difference between my opponent and I, though, however, is I can work with people that I disagree with. Trevor cannot? It doesn't appear so. If you just like, disagree on everything or whatever the mayor says, you disagree with him, then how are you going to get anything done? Hmm. Take me to election night, November the 6th. Oh uh, the different vote tally uh, when you went to bed after that is the fourth printout that came out near 1130 and midnight. And yes. then it looked like you were the winner. Uh, and then it changed sometime in the middle of the, the night when that final printout came out. What was that like? Oh, my God. So here, here's the story. So um, Kai, my son, had school the next day, or both of my kids did. And... They asked their mom, Emily, hey, can we stay? And they're like, no, no, it's school night. We got to go. And my son said, no, mom, we left early four years ago and daddy lost. So we have to stay, right? So, Otherwise you know, he stayed, he stayed till midnight, you know, way past his bedtime. And everybody's happy. And then we have to wake up the next morning and tell my son that daddy lost. Mm. It was devastating. You know, that that hurt a lot. But, you know... There were so many questions. Where did these 1,200 ballots come from? These are the ones that were counted, accepted at the post office at the airport after 6 p.m., after that deadline that the charter or the Constitution says, mm -hmm. you know, they have to be in the hands of the elections office. But the high court then ended up ruling and clarify, if I have this wrong, that they shouldn't have been counted. That was the idea, right? And that's why we're having this special election. That's correct. Actually, the 1,200 ballots were made of not only the votes that came in to the post office, but people who dropped their absentee ballots off at the polling place on oh, election day. I see. Okay. Right? And those were all fine. Those were all fine. But, you know, initially I wrote the city clerk and the chief elections officer a letter asking questions, and they just ignored me. You know, that's why I decided to appeal, because I needed to get answers. You know, people who voted in this election deserve answers. This is our election, right? Um, it's the cornerstone of democracy. I thought that um, through the process, we actually learned what happened here. And as it turns out, um, 350 ballots that came in late were counted. By the way, about 743 ballots that also came in late later that night also were not counted. Hmm. So... Um, and a 22-vote difference between you and your opponent uh, come the morning on November the 7th. There are some concerns. Some have said people are disenfranchised. Do you think by having this special redo that 
that uh, answers that concern about people voted and that it didn't get counted, but now they have a second chance. Absolutely. And the most troubling part that I learned was that they had been doing the the city has been doing it wrong for a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I may have even won four years ago for all I know, hmm. right? Because a bunch of ballots were, were counted that shouldn't have been. We have rules in place for a reason, and the rules are in place to, to, um, so that mistakes don't happen or so that fraud doesn't occur. And it's a bright line. They have to be received by the clerk by 6 o'clock. Okay. So the clerk just has to go to the airport, wait until 6 o'clock, get whatever they can, and then go back and get them counted. Hopefully Simple Glenn Takahashi's listening right now. So uh, to wrap this up, and I know we could go on and talk more and more, um, but let me just, uh, what's the advice you have for folks that are getting that absentee ballot? They can still go to Honolulu Hall A for, what, a, a couple of days or a week leading up to the election? Or do you know the window for the walk-in? Yes, April 1st through April 13th. Oh, they're so. open every day except the Sunday that occurs in between there. Um, so you can walk in and vote if you don't want to do the mail-in. That's City Hall. The That's only City Hall. place. The only place, Honolulu Holly. And then let me make sure this right. In terms of the absentee ballots, should a person then get their ballot in well before 6 p.m. on April the 13th? Absolutely. <laughs> One other caution here, and this is what I learned through the appeal process, that your signature on the blue envelope of your ballot must match the signature when you either registered to vote or when you requested an absentee ballot. So if you have health problems that made your signature different, be cautious. The other thing I recommend people do is call the Office of Elections or the city clerk to make sure your ballot was counted. And they could do that. They can actually, by phone, yes. get someone on the line because there's a tracking number, isn't there? Correct, correct. What the neighbor islands do, if your signature doesn't match, then the neighbor island clerk will call the voter and say, hey, your signature doesn't match. Did you vote? Hmm. As far as I can tell, this Honolulu doesn't do that, but hopefully they will hmm, and change their way. But yeah, the... your signature has to match. Okay. Anything we've missed? Any final point you want to make about your, your campaign, about getting out the vote? Uh, in your campaign for City Council District 4? Yeah, I mean, I'm born and raised in Honolulu. I've lived here my entire life. Me and my five brothers and sisters, I'm the fifth of six kids. We all were born right here in Honolulu Queens Hospital or Kapilani Hospital. Supposedly I'm, Barack Obama was born there too. There's a rumor <laughs> going around. I, I'm the only one left in my family. And I'm running because it, I'm so afraid that my kids aren't going to be able to afford to live here either. Oh, meaning the only one left still living on a wa- in the state. In the state. Everyone else mainland. I, I, all my siblings moved to the mainland. My parents moved to the mainland before they passed away. Mm. And that's why I'm running. I want to fight for local people to live and stay in Hawaii and our future generations, our children, can live here and enjoy the Hawaii that we know and love. And that's really the reason I'm running. I'm not running to support the mayor. I'm not running for any other reason but for to fight for my community. You know, I'm an attorney. I fight hard. I fought this appeal. I, I won at no cost to the state, by the way. I represented myself. And I'm willing to fight all my might for my community. And I look forward to it. As you know, Chad, you and I first met on the street in Waimanalo when I was sign waving for fixing the Waimanalo wastewater treatment plant, where I got the kids from Waimanalo Elementary who made the signs. I got the community out there, and we got it done in my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Just wait to see what I can do for District 4, Hawaii Kai to Waikiki. 
Tommy Waters, candidate for Honolulu City Council District 4. The special election is April the 13th. Ballots will be in the mail soon. You can also do walk-in the first two weeks of April right up to the election at Honolulu Holly, and that's it. Uh, in the interest of equal time, Trevor Ozawa will also be joining me for a podcast. We will post that shortly after we run Tommy Waters, uh, and we ask you to do your job to get out and vote. You can visit us at civilbeat.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. For the Pod Squad, for Honolulu Civil Beat, I'm Chad Blair. Take care and aloha. Aloha. Aloha.